Namaste. In my series of historiography, another aspect we would like to touch upon would be historical objectivity, which is closely linked to value judgment. Those who think that history is a science no less and no more regard objectivity as imperative for history. By objectivity, we mean dispassionate, disinterested, and scientific treatment of all events which would be depicted by a historian as if he was a judge pronouncing his verdict in the most impartial way without any fear or favor. But the question is whether this kind of objectivity is possible at all or not, knowing human nature. Prejudice, to a certain extent, is a built-in complex in man. With great confidence, a historian declares, the fact is. But many of these alleged facts are no better than his own observations, remarks and opinions as historical facts. What the historian regards as objective is merely the mental reflection of his own person and hence it is subjective. Voltaire said about history that it is a pack of tricks we play upon the dead. It is not objective because past events do not any longer exist anyway except in the mind of the historian who has now become both subject and object. He reenacts the past in his own mind and in so doing superimposes at least some of his ideas on past events. Speaking of Ashoka's renunciation of war, the historian cannot resist the temptation of evaluating Ashoka in the light of the present potential danger to peace because of nuclear weapons. Historical objective is not attainable because of three important factors, namely the nature of historical events, the selection of historical events and the personality of the author, his motives, intentions and temperament. Moreover, the historian functions under certain limitations. The historian might be a victim of ideological considerations, political commitment, group prejudice, national fervor, patriotic zeal, and partisan attitude. Ideological considerations such as theological, philosophical, materialistic, or any other intellectual bias might distort his vision. Whether he is St. Augustine, Voltaire, Vico, Hegel, Spangler, or Toynbee, he is not free from his own viewpoint. When Barn wrote the Harsh or Abul Fuzal wrote the Akbar Nama, they were not free from the political loyalty to their masters. The whole range of medieval chronicles have a direct tinge of political prejudice. Religious superiority, racial prejudice, group affiliations, national pride, party connection, social inhibitions, linguistic inclinations have all influenced historical writing. V. D. Savarkar is excessively harsh on the British and Mill is excessively harsh on Indians. The Nazis denied freedom of expression and hence the historian has to toe the line of official policy, communist ideology in Russia and China force the historians to adopt a particular viewpoint. To reconcile ourselves to the presence of subjectivity and allow full scope for imagination would be to reduce history to the level of fiction. Therefore, the historian should consciously make every effort to be objective as far as possible. 
he should aim at presenting the facts with as much accuracy and faithfulness as possible. He should subject his thoughts to constant scrutiny. His subjectivity becomes inevitable if the historian confines himself to limited number of sources. He should make it a point to exhaust all available sources on the subject. If history is regarded as an art, accuracy will be lost. History is not a branch of literature, it is a science. Therefore, history must be liberated from rhetoric. Excessive nationalism and a highly philosophic tone would distort history. Bari gives an example of a German historian who regards Christianity as the final religion of the world, Prussia as the final state, and his own Hegelianism as the final philosophy. In short, if history is to fulfill the task of holding up a mirror to the past, the historian should try to be as objective as possible. However, complete objectivity is also unattainable and a small proportion of subjectivity is not only inevitable but also desirable. But this proportion should be only in the ratio of salt in a dish. Any other ratio, either less or more, will spoil food. Thank you.